<laughs> people are gonna leave like as soon as they hear the jingle they're gonna be like i it's time to click <laughs> like it's not even like bad in a good way like it's just bad <laughs> if anyone asks that is not my voice at the end <laughs> <laughs> in the world run entirely by idiots. Let's introduce our lovely hosts. Say hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. So in today's episode, we're talking about productivity, especially under the circumstances we are in right now. As you all know, we have had to, we have been quarantining since mid-March, and a lot of us have had to start working from home. Being able to work from home is a privilege, but how has that affected your routine and productivity levels? Are you more productive? Is it harder to motivate yourself? Well, most recently, since February, which was right before the whole quarantine, I started an internship at a research lab, which is really exciting. Um, and we're doing pancreatic cancer work. But since then, uh, COVID has happened and a lot of restrictions to only having people that are essential go out. Um, but it happens that because I am in a research lab, it is essential work. Uh, there was a week or two where I did not go in at all because of um, COVID and just like it being too dangerous. But I ended up going back because it is essential work that we're doing here because cancer doesn't stop, uh, even though COVID is still going on. Okay, should they answer the question? Okay, well, honestly, I don't really have that many things to do. So to stay productive, I've been trying to pick up like a new hobby or like work on my other hobbies. So like I learned something new on the piano or I've been trying to do some small crocheting projects or I've been trying to look at what I need to go to college. Granted that college will actually open up for the fall. What about you, Amritha? Um, well, let's just say when quarantine first started, I was like, this is only gonna last two weeks. How can I last two weeks being home? and not leaving the house and here I am four months later and I still have not left the house. Akila, tell me about you. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> like, Garishma, can you like repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> Does being home like affect your productivity levels? and your routine on like a day-to-day basis? Also, are you more productive? And is it harder to motivate yourself? I definitely have not been as productive as usual because I feel like one of the biggest things that makes me productive is seeing other people being productive. And then, you know, being at home, like I feel like no one's productive. So then I automatically am not productive. Does that make sense? So like by association, I am not productive at home and then I guess for routine I did develop a routine I make coffee in the morning and listen to a podcast which is like the only structure I have in my life well I feel like I naturally just need something to do I try to do more constructive things like um you know 
the course that I'm teaching or internship work or, you know, books that are more meaningful, like um, Becoming or End of Policing, although I'm still waiting on that since the library line is so long. You can Krishna, find the free version at Verso Books. I will look for it. I don't think I'm being more productive than normal, but I think I'm doing something to keep myself busy. Like I've been trying to learn new styles of drawing and like, I don't know, just like watch more videos on how I can be a better artist. I've been cooking a lot lately. I feel like I can experiment more, but I don't think I'm using it to the fullest potential. You always just kind of float by and you don't really realize that you haven't done anything until it's the end of the day. And then you're like, wow, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. I was on TikTok, actually literally like three minutes before this call. And like, I saw this one that was like, um, do you ever just think about how you're probably never going to have this much free time until you like retire? In terms of motivation, I have try to engage with my friends uh, such as you guys um, because you know you can only go so far with your own motivation uh, and it's really good to just check in with people and even more now because you're not actually seeing anybody so it's difficult to gauge your progress in anything uh, so just really opening up those lines of communication with other people. It feels like I'm misusing my time because oh my gosh I've never been handed this much free time before so now I don't know what to do with it. But I think that like looking at quarantine as something you need to like achieve is inherently wrong. And like taking this time to relax is okay too. But like internalizing that is really hard. I feel as though the digital format of everything where we can sign up for a lot of webinars has um, probably made me want to sign on to everything. And I think in terms of mental health, that's not particularly uh, the most beneficial. So let's let's go into COVID a little bit. So we talked about researching mental health care. It's so weird. Like this time, I feel like there are like very two different groups of people. There are people who are actually grieving because of like someone actually passing away or they were losing their job or their life is just like in turmoil. And then there's people who are grieving like free or like time they wish they had with like like experiences like college a big problem right now is that a lot of us don't have like a lot of us who are privileged enough to be in quarantine like stay at home all day like a lot of us don't have much going on in our lives and then like the only thing that's really happening is like all the stuff that's going on outside your house but like almost everything's bad news so I feel like mm -hmm. it's not very good for people's mental health either because all you're doing is like absorbing these like negative vibes. Well, like when I wake up, like I'm kind of like disturbed by something. So it has like kind of this unconscious effect on me. It kind of boils down to accepting and understanding your privilege. It's like everyone lives in their own worlds Bubbles makes it sound kind of sheltered, but the truth is that everyone does live in their own bubble. And, you know, for you, your bubble means, oh, this sucks. I can't, you know, eat out as much or I can't, um, you know, go to Disneyland for our senior trip. But then somebody else's bubble is like, 
you know, I, my parent or my mom contracted COVID-19 and this is what I have to deal with. And it's okay to still find your relatively trivial troubles to be um, impactful for yourself. I think it's like also a sign of like, you see all these problems that are happening in the world and you're sitting at home and you're like, you feel helpless really. Like, especially if you don't have a lot of money to donate, like usually, you know, students like us who aren't making a lot of money and don't want to like donate our parents money. Um, like, I feel like we, instead of donating money, we usually like devote our time through volunteering and stuff and going to protest and we can't really do that right now. Let's talk a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement and how you've been interacting with the movement as people who can't protest and can only donate so much. A lot of people are like showing that not only are they ignorant, they're also unwilling to educate themselves about anything. So I feel like my educating myself is probably not going to make a change. I feel like educating yourself like does help though. Because like in the case, like you think you know everything about the topic until you mm-hmm. like get into an argument with someone who doesn't believe it. And yeah. then in that situation, you'll know how to like defend it and maybe you could change someone's mind. Um, yeah. yeah. Like talking to your family really, because I know Asian American mm-hmm tend to have a lot of anti-blackness kind of what Shruti said I and Amrita said like I've just been reading a lot um and also just signing petitions yeah I guess like kind of what Shruti said it is like really hard when you're when you are and Amrita said like when you want to do something but you like physically can't or um yeah it's just really unsafe to because of COVID um But yeah, I think that spreading awareness is important and just like educating yourself on like, I guess like how wrong our education system is, like the fact that we have to go out of our way to learn about like, to learn history that is like, like integral to this country is really ridiculous. And just like being more like critical of the systems we all live in is really important. If you asked me like, literally two months ago if I wanted to abolish the police I would have definitely said no I've definitely learned a lot through this movement and I definitely think it's like it's like radical but also like in a way that makes sense and a lot of appropriation being exposed and it kind of makes you rethink like sometimes even everyday action but the idea of like the master bedroom like I had no idea where that came yeah. from yeah yeah disgusted exactly I, I I agree like this idea of everyday speech being like critically analyzed is so important I definitely didn't think about it before like um like all of this was exposed like all the systemic racism was exposed and like more people were posting about it and like creating graphics about it I think that like bef- I feel like my also like my relationship with Instagram changed a lot like yeah. I used to get like a lot of news from social media but like now I feel like more educated logging on if that makes more sense like I know I can go on social media and see things that will like directly change how I think and before it was just like oh like liking my friends posts and like commenting 
also surprising how informative TikTok is. Like legitimately, I go on there for half an hour and I learn like 50 new things that I would never have learned just reading the news. The BLM protest would not have gained so much traction if people weren't able to talk about it on social media. In this Black Lives Matter movement, I feel like social media was a really strong tool for Gen Z to use. I don't think like Gen Z's ever been so involved in something other than the environmental protests, but I think this is like a lot more passionate. So this is a quick pivot, but let's talk about healthcare. Okay, so one thing that I was researching was um, the impact of COVID on the healthcare industry, because we all know it's been obviously like destroying all the industries. The healthcare industry also has its own problems because Yes, um, hospitals are doing better because of the healthcare or because of COVID. And um, that actually takes a lot of money away from the local doctors because of COVID. Most people have stopped visiting them. I know I have put off most of my appointments for a couple of months. It's either that or visiting online. There's people in the healthcare industry that are um, being affected equally as people in other industries. Like healthcare is right now a privilege and how it's tied to employment and with unemployment numbers going up and um, yeah, that in itself being like a crisis, there's less people who can afford healthcare and most of the times poor communities and that are usually communities of color tend to work jobs that can't be done remotely. So that puts even more burden on them to go to work and potentially contract um, coronavirus. Yeah, I'd also say that they need to do the work because that's how they're going to get food. And that's obviously putting them in a horrible position that if there was more uh, support for those types of people, that they wouldn't have to go to work uh, if they felt even the slightest bit sick. But of course, there's the other side where people will potentially take advantage of that, uh, which is really unfortunate. But then I think that the fear um, and a lot of people, like even me, but I still was worried to take a test because I was like, what if I was sick? And then I did have to um, like miss work. But obviously uh, it's less so because I still can count on a roof over my head and I can still count on like money coming into my family. Um, but I know for other people where they're the only support in their family, I can't imagine how much more of a burden that would be. I see you have a mask on right now, so you're at work? Yes, yes. I am in a closed place, but um, there have been several cases of COVID in this place, and in fact, on my floor as well. And I've been fortunate enough to have gotten tested through the company that I work with, but um, it is a really scary time. I know for a lot of schools, parents are pressuring them to open because they simply like don't have a place to send their kid. Like they can't keep them at home because they have to go to work. So they need schools to open up. But at the same time, like if schools open up, there's a much higher chance that COVID is going to spread. So I think it's just like a dilemma of like, how do you balance all of those things together? Like there's no way to win. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a four-year-old kid at home and you work a minimum wage job, you don't really have options at that point. Like testing has only happened in a few spots, maybe like once a week. And like the lines from what I've heard have been like over 
two hours long and to expect like families with kids who are just waiting in like hot cars like in Arizona for example waiting in hot cars just to get tested is really ridiculous and oftentimes those like tests aren't done in um like accessible places if that makes any sense like they're not done in low-income neighborhoods let's talk about the crisis in Yemen speaking about the incompetencies in our own healthcare system I think this might be a good transition for the Yemeni healthcare system and how they're really suffering over there so a little bit of background Yemen is a war-torn country there is conflict um, between Saudi led forces and Houthi forces. And um, it it means that a lot of Yemeni infrastructure is very broken down and inaccessible for most people, which only adds to the fact that um, there is a massive malnutrition, um, malnutrition movement happening with children over there. In fact, two out of every three people require some sort of food assistance. For context, only 11% of the U.S. was food insecure in 2018 versus 67% of Yemeni people who are food insecure. Honestly, I think it's ridiculous that an entire country is dying higher officials aren't looking at this and trying to do something about it. They can claim to be as humanitarian as they want, but if no one is pushing for people to look at this, then it's so hypocritical for like the United States to say they're the leaders of the free world and then let a country die. Like we've been desensitized a lot. Like everything that's happening, we're like, this is like, there's nothing I can do about it. Or even if we do, you feel like you're making no impact from making no change. Going back to what Shruti said about like the lack of larger forces, I actually found that the COVID-19 over there, it's five times, it's increasing at five times the global rate. And partially due to COVID-19, UN slashed 75% of its programs in Yemen that offer humanitarian aid, which means it's getting even worse. It's predicted that if $54.5 million aren't received by the end of August, 19 million people will lose access to health care, including 1 million breastfeeding mothers and their children. And the Yemen population is only 30 million people. Ways you can help. Although things might seem dark and helpless at the moment, you can make a difference, you can donate, and you can sign petitions. Um, you can donate to UNICEF, International Rescue Committee, or Save the Children, which is the largest aid organization in Yemen, and it's keeping up 75 health facilities um, and keeping them up and running. And just raising conversation with people that you interact with and educating. Educating yourself and others. To this week's episode of Cheese the Podcast. I hope you learned something about quarantine, COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, and the Yemen crisis. Keep an eye out for the next one. Stay, Stay cheesy! cheesy.
the Cheese Podcast supports the Black Lives Matter movement. Additionally, Cheese Staff, there is such thing as charcoal cheese, which is the color black. And so no offense, I, I, I don't like what? the charcoal cheese fast. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't have the, all the time in the world 